0: and we should not crosses with Jesus on them. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our Lord is alive and well. The Bible declares that he sits at the right hand of the Father and ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. So we have a reason to live this morning, amen? Amen. You know. mm-hmm. So this morning we're we'll talking, to talk to you all about the great exchange. the great exchange. Great exchange. All right, so if you have your Bible, go through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, um, as a result of today's message, we're actually going to start a series in the midst, in the middle of 1 Corinthians. We're actually on 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which is very interesting. Um, it's, it's dealing with a young man who sleeps with his stepmother, and, and Paul is telling them to excommunicate him. So we're going to pick that up in May. Everybody say in May. And so we're going to start um, today as a, a, a result of many series series called the cross series and so we're going to major on the cross for the whole entire month of april i think that a lot of christians let me say some christians that i know really don't understand the cross or its implications and so we really need to go hard when it comes to the cross um, if you go to your local christian bookstore which nowadays don't seem to really be in existence as much Back in the day, growing up, I used to go to Ward's Christian Bookstore. Offer um, it's not Springfield, I think that's the name of, it, but and then we have um, I think Sunshine is it Sunshine and um, Mount Morristown. And, and then you have to you know then you go to Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know I know I said growing up, oh. <laughs> growing up I, I I used to go and so th- there's not a lot of Christian bookstores, but back in the day. Um, when I was interested in learning more about the cross, I went to um, the bookstore, to, and at that time it was Jesus' book and gift store um, out in Woodbridge, and I found there was a lot of books about the cross. You have books about how to save your marriage, how to get out of debt, how to um, have faith how to uh, get healed, how to, you know, parent your children. But you didn't find a lot. I didn't find at that time a lot of books about the cross. And as Christians, we need to measure on the cross. Amen. amen. That, that is the source of our strength. That is the source of our faith in Christ. And today we have a lot of, a lot of things that is proclaiming in the name of Christ. And it's, it's not really the gospel at all. It's just another gospel, as Paul would say. And I was thinking about what would Paul say about our day? You know, what, what are some of the things that if you sit back and you look at your local Christian um, television show, um, show uh, television station, what would, they, what would Paul and Jesus look at and say, well, this is, is this the gospel or is it another gospel? So we're going to take, as a church, we're going to take some time and major on the cross. Um, we, we're actually encouraging everybody to read John Piper's book. 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die, he wrote that book as a result of the Passion. I don't know how many of you all seen the Passion. How many of y'all saw the Passion? The Passion of the Cross. I got two copies in my house. So in case you didn't see it, we can show it one day to you. Um, it's a great movie. Um, it's displaying um, Jesus dying on the cross. But if I was a sinner who had no knowledge of God and knew nothing about God, I want to know why Jesus came to die. So John Piper wrote this book out of a concern about understanding the reasons why Jesus came to die. And so we're gonna talk about a little bit about that this morning called The Great Exchange. So as children of God, we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior every day. God the Father raised Christ from the dead. Would y'all agree with that? Yes. <laughs> you better agree with that if you're on, if you're on your way to heaven. Um, But God raised Christ from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot reduce the Holy Spirit to gifts or even fruit. But the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we believe that. If you have a distorted view of God and where you don't believe in the triune God, then that is a problem. We have to believe because even from Genesis 1, we see the Lord Moses through Moses writing and saying, Lord, let us make man in our image. And then Isaiah called on to it in Isaiah 6, he says, who will go for us? Amen. And so we see the trying of God throughout the whole Bible. Um, even Paul at the end of one of his Corinthians' letters, he talked about um, the, love of, of the, the love of Jesus, the sweet communion of the Father, the grace of the grace. From God, our God the Father, and the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. So we believe in the Triune God. Amen. There's nothing more central to the Bible than Jesus' death and His resurrection. Amen. Let me say that one more time. Y'all don't believe me. Um, nothing more. There's nothing more central to the Bible than Jesus' death and resurrection. The Bible is much more than a book of principles. It's much more than basic instructions before leaving earth. Uh, The Bible reveals to us the way of salvation. And everything from the old to the new points to Christ Jesus. And we have to see this in light of the cross and the death and resurrection of Christ. The entire Bible points to this one weekend in Jerusalem. About 2,000 years ago. Everything is pointing to what we are celebrating today. Um, and so we have to we have to study it as Christians. We must know the cross. The resurrection is essential to our salvation. If Jesus did not, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, we are we are miserable people, and we might as well go out and sin. <laughs> um, have you ever wondered what would happen if your heart stopped right now? You would die immediately. Okay. I'm all preaching like loud. I'm thinking it's the mic, and it's just my voice echoing. <laughs> Thank you, Nadir. Um, we, would do, we would die immediately. Um, the resurrection is the heartbeat of, of Christianity. You know, without the resurrection, we just have religion, um, we just have a set of rules of do's and don'ts. The resurrection is the heartbeat of Christianity, and without it, there is no Chris, Christianity. The resurrection of Christ is the foundation of the Christian faith. And so we have to understand it. We have to understand his life, his death, and his resurrection. These are the things that Paul talked about. These are the things that Peter and the other writers of the Bible spoke about. As you read your Bible, begin to see the things that God has done for us in Christ. Again, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is telling us about redemption accomplished. You heard me say this again before, but I want you to hear it again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which a lot of scholars are referring to them as the evangelists. They are evangelizing. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are evangelizing about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And it's telling us about the, resu- about the um, a redemption that was accomplished in Christ. If we only had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John we wouldn't know how to how, how the Christian life really looks like. We just only know that Jesus died for us. And then in Acts, Luke picked up in Acts tells us how the church should react to the resurrection of Christ. Then you have Romans to Jude that reveals to us um, redemption applied. It shows us what life looks like as a Christian. So there's different things that Paul and the other writers are talking to the writers about, the readers about, about what Jesus accomplished. And so if you don't understand the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how redemption was accomplished in Christ, and then you look at the rest of the, the New Testament, you see that that redemption is applied. And of course, Revelation talks to us about the sovereignty of God, how God is holding the keys of death life, death and life, and also about how anybody who's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Romans, uh, Revelation 13, how they're not going to be, um, um, be with the Lord forever. And we talk, it talks about the new city and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have redemption accomplished. And redemption applied. And so my, my objective today is to understand why the resurrection is important as a Christian. Um, what does it have to do with our salvation? How does the resurrection affect our lives and our situations? Um, my purpose today is to understand what took place at the cross of Calvary and live out its implications daily. So my first point is this. It's very simple. Christ died for our sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to share with, with your people. I pray that you will grant it to me your son and your servant, that I may boldly open my mouth and declare the mysteries of the gospel. I pray that you'll give unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of your power towards them who believe? We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 25. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. If you need a Bible, we do have Bibles in the back. Feel free to take one and take it home. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, and most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people most of Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put put all his enemies under his feet. I can't resist to read the last, the 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Amen to the reading of the word of God. So we, we can take from here th- these people at Corinth, and when we get to 1 Corinthians 15, we'll kind of dive more into, more into it and give you a, a deeper background. But these people start believing in, um, they didn't believe in the resurrection, some of the believers. And how many know that that's a problem? When you, we don't believe in the resurrection, then we have no hope. Um, but Christ died for our sins. He did not die as himself. For himself, but he died for our sins. Um, it is through the disobedience of Adam that we all are offensive to God. So, similar to the fact that you are born into this world, you are automatically an offense to God. The Bible says in Psalm 51... That how David is saying that how God, is, uh, is, I was born and shaped in iniquity through when I was conceived. And so all of us have sin running in our um, uh, life because of Adam's disobedience. And that alone is enough offense to God. And then you add on to what, whatever we do. On top of that. (laughs) Um, And and, and I know some of you all have been saved for quite some time, but how many know we've all fallen short of the glory of God? So we have offended God somehow, someday. I I guarantee you this week you have offended God through thought, through word, and through deed. Um, Even sometimes in our prayers, we are uh, offending God sometimes because we're complaining to God about things. Um, And so uh, we have to understand that we are sinful creatures. We have offended a holy God. And so Christ had to die for our sins in order for us to be born again. Um, And we understand this, that God is holy and he's a just God. Um, People want to focus on um, the love of God, and we do focus on the love of God. That is what the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, also in First John, um, you'll see love often mentioned. But we have to understand that he's also a just God. How God, God will kill a person. Um, look at Ananias and Sapphira. Um, and he's righteous. God is righteous. And we're unrighteous and unjust because of sin. The wrath of God is upon all, but God has provided a sacrifice to appease his own wrath upon humanity. The song that we sung earlier, In Christ Alone, how it's through the death of Christ that the wrath of God was satisfied. Um, I, I don't think that we can emphasize that enough. And if we really understood the wrath of God, it's not just a word for us to know, but it's, for, it's to really understand that this is reality, that there is a judgment that's coming to the world. Um, God is going to pour his wrath out upon all humanity for those who are not in the ark of, uh, ark of safety, those who are symbolizing what Noah, when they were in the ark, um, how God's judgment came upon the whole world. And because we're in Christ this morning, we're safe from the wrath. Amen. Amen. Um, for years and years, I didn't really understand why or how or what was I saved from. Uh, I knew the term, grew up in church. I was born again at the age of four, filled with the Holy Ghost at the age of eight, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, witnessing, uh, teaching Bible study, but did not understand being saved from God's wrath. Um, and I think that there is a, 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 a group of believers who don't understand the wrath of God. Sometimes we want to emphasize about the favor of God. Um, you know, we'd say, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed and highly favored. But, but, but I think that we need to understand the bad news before we understand the good news. And we must have fresh ears when we hear it every single time. We can't get tired of hearing this because this is what the Bible is all about. How God is saving his people from himself and how christ drunk the cup this cup of wrath and he satisfied the creator's wrath he took our place this is the great exchange he took our place in order to save us from the wrath he died for our sins he became sin for us you know we we, really have to understand i think um, in order to cherish the mercies of God, we need to understand what actually took place at the cross. That really Jesus died for our sins. This is the God man. We have to understand the, the characteristics and, and who Jesus is. That he was not just a prophet. He was not just a man, an uh, innocent, um, good moral teacher. But he was actually the God man. The Bible tells us this in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and how um, there is one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. That how he is the God-man. He is the bridge. He is the connector between God and man. And we need to understand this and glorify this God-man. It used to bother me when people would say, um, the man upstairs. And I was like, I, I just don't like that. You know, they're reducing him to a man. But Jesus is the man upstairs. Amen. But he's the God man. That's the difference. Um, 100% God and 100% man. And without understanding who Christ is, we don't, we don't understand what he did and how Christ is God incarnated in flesh. He's God made flesh, um, which is a great mystery. Um, so, so Jesus took our place. You know, the older saints used to say, thank God for Jesus. Never could understand that statement for years and years growing up in church. But now I have, I have a glimpse of thanking God for Jesus and that how Jesus took my place. He was my substitute. He was your substitute if you're saved today. He took our place. We deserve what he got. Um, and, and so we, we, we need to glory in that. Um, um, Christianity is a bloody religion. (laughs) Um, From the beginning, God is killing animals and and declaring animals to to be presented to himself. And how even his own son was killed. And it was because of the blood of Jesus we can approach the throne of God. We are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. And this is why we can plead the blood of Jesus. Some people got a problem with the word plead, but plead is that's my stance. That's my, I take my place over the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that the saints overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, you don't overcome because you make a good um, positive confession. Um, You overcome by you testifying what the blood has done for you. The Bible says, "Let, let the redeem of the Lord say so. What are we saying? We're saying we're redeemed we 're saying that we belong to God we're saying that the blood rescued us from the wrath. we said that the blood covers us, the blood washes us, the blood makes us a new creation uh, that 's what it means. The blood is still at work today, and if we are we 've fallen short of god 's glory, if we confess our sins and walk in the light, even as he is the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us even to this day and um and so Um, Jesus became sin for us. This ugly thing that offends God, he became the very thing that offended God. And and you think about Jesus, God the Father turned his back on God the Son. He was rejected. You know, I don't know about you, but I hate rejection. I really do. I mean, I I hate it. Um, I was rejected all my life. Um, But... I, just, I hate rejection. It makes you feel less than, right? How many of y'all have been rejected? Come on. <laughs> Join the club. All right. Uh, half, of the, half of the congregation been rejected. The other half was the one who was rejecting us, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, but think about this. God the son was rejected by God the father. God turned his back on his own son. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? God, Jesus was forsaken by the Father so that you and I could be accepted by the Father. Ephesians 1 says we've been accepted in the beloved. We, we, God the Father has accepted us because he rejected one who took our place. Um, he died for our sins. He became sin. He was smitten by God. Isaiah 53 reads, he was bruised for our transgressions. You know, we need to talk about transgressions, how we, we have broken the laws of God. Um, he was crushed for our iniquities. And so when you, next time you witness to somebody on your job or in your family, your neighbor, or in the, in, on, on, in the streets, in the community, realize you need to let them know they have offended God. Otherwise, what's the use of being saved? Um, he was despised and rejected by all so that we can be accepted. The Bible says that um, there was no beauty, Chaz read it earlier, there was no beauty to behold of the Lord. And one says God, Jesus was not the bomb when he was on that cross. He took upon our sins. He became this ugly thing that even men rejected as well as God. And the effects of that, he, he took, it was a serious thing. I know sometimes, you know, we see the little Bible, the movie on, on television, on History Channel, we, we wear crosses and, and you, you know, some people get tat, um, t- um, tattoos with the cross on it. None of that means anything if you don't understand what it represents understand the power of it. See, the power is not in the cross. And I know sometimes we've seen horror movies and scary movies and they pull the cross out. Uh, You know, I used to think that that was really power in it. So I would get my grandma's cross and try to like, you know, see the devil come out of us. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, But but there's no power in that. Um, If you're not careful, it could become an idol. And you're putting more faith in a, 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 a physical cross then you are in God. You can have crosses all around your house. You can have, growing up, my mom had the Ten Commandments around the house. But if we didn't obey them, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) The cross, there's no power in the cross itself if you don't understand the blood that was shed on that cross. That's a symbol, but it's not power. There's no power. Um, Justin Franklin wrote a song many years ago called "The, The Power of the Cross, The blood of Jesus is the power in the cross. It gives um, um, faith, it gives power to that cross. The blood that was shed on that cross. So you can get tatted up all night and day, but if you don't understand the cross, there's no power in it. Um, So he was crushed for our iniquities. He was despised and rejected. Um, um, The punishment, check this out, the punishment of our peace was laid upon him. Okay, what does that mean? The punishment of our peace. Um, often we, we think about the peace of God and having peace and, and, and a quietness in our souls. And, and that, that's a gift from God. But the peace that Isaiah 53 is referring to is peace with God, to have peace with God. Um, so the punishment of our peace was laid upon Christ. And with his stripes, we are healed. He was oppressed and he was afflicted so that we could have freedom. He died both spiritually and physically um, for us in the entire world. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He took the place of the unrighteous. Let me repeat that. He took the place of the unrighteous. Um, He died in order to bring us to the Father. Jesus had a goal in mind. He wanted us not only to die for our sins, not only for us to be forgiven, but for us to be reconciled to the Father. Um, It is a privilege to pray. The blood of Jesus was shed so that we can pray, so we can commune with the Father, so that we can worship, so that we can gather together this morning in his name. Um, Not only did the blood of Jesus reconcile us to the Father, but it reconciled us to one, one another. So we're not only reconciled to the Father, but we're reconciled to one another in Christ. Um, God, when God calls a man, he never calls a man to walk alone, but he calls him to be with his body of believers. Um, he became poor so that we may become rich. I mean, this is profound. That's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, he became poor. What does that mean? Does it mean that he died so you could be a millionaire? Absolutely not. He died so that you can, have, you can be rich in faith, rich in mercy, rich in grace. Are you with me? That's the reason why he died. Um, he, he also took our, upon our infirmities so that we can have his health. Um, Jesus is concerned about your physical body. Um, uh, and, and he died so that we can have new bodies. Um, so one day we're going to have a world free of sickness and disease. I'm looking forward to that day. Yes. Um, he became a curse for us. Many times people talk about generational curses. And, Bim, let me break this generational curse over you. And I'm here to tell you the blood is enough. Oh my God. The blood is enough to redeem us from the curse. Um, all curses. Um, people can try to do witchcraft and voodoo, and those things are, are, have some kind of power. But we're, we're serving the risen power, the, the, the risen Christ with all power in his hand. And Matthew 28 says, all power is given to me both in heaven and on earth. So don't ever be afraid of a witch doctor. There was a missionary um, in Africa who was gone. And, and these witch doctors decided to come against the meeting that they were having. And, um, and they were trying to put spells and, and curses on the missionary. And the missionary said, go ahead, do all that you can do. Because I'm here to tell you, my Jesus is greater than your power. Oh, yeah. And the, one time, the, the missionary, this is in, in a book. And I don't remember the book. I read it as a teenager. Um, the missionary began to, uh, I mean, the um, witch doctor began to levitate. And, um, and uh, you know, and everybody was getting scared. And the missionary said, in the name of Jesus, you will stop. And the witch doctor fell on the ground. So I'm here to tell you that, yes, Satan has some power, but Jesus has all power. Yeah. Um, think about Moses and going before Pharaoh and how he threw his rod and, and um, it became a snake. And then you have Pharaoh's musicians who threw their rods down and their rods became a snake. But guess what? That their snakes were eaten up by um, Moses' rod. You in the power of God. God's power is greater. Amen. Amen. And so this, my, my, my brothers and my sisters, this is the great exchange. Jesus became a curse that we may receive the blessings of Abraham. This is the great exchange. This is what took place at the cross. He became sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God. It was a gift from God. We cannot belittle the righteousness of God, the doctrine of justification, how God has declared us right in his sight, not based on what we do, but based on what Christ has done. Um, Jesus was wounded for us. He died in our place. He was punished for us. And he actually, he received the punishment that we earned. But we received the righteousness that he obtained. Amen. He is our substitution, saints. Jesus. He is the reason why we're able to read and study the scriptures, that we are able to know God. Jesus is the reason, reason for that. And my second point is this. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. People are talking about um, uh, identity crisis. Um, You you see the same-sex agenda, uh, um, same-sex marriage agenda going about. um, And those people are without identity. But there's some people who are professing to be Christians, and they don't have an identity. But I'm here to tell you that our identity is in Christ. This is who we are. is what we are, who God made us to be. So let's go over... um, with me, go with me to uh, Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. I hope this is blessing you this morning, understanding the cross. And this is, is, is as I was preparing this, it was stirring up in my heart to start a um, the cross series because we need to understand the cross. Um, we need to be well equipped with understanding of what Jesus did and what He accomplished. Romans chapter six, verses one. Um, Through 11, it says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So our identity is with his death. Realizing that Jesus did not die for himself. He died for our sins. So we identify with him. Let's continue. We were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So, again, Paul is reminding these saints they were, their identity is with Christ. Um, so we were baptized with him into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in newness of life for if we have not been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united if we have excuse me if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So our identity is with Christ. This is who we are. As a Christian, don't ever wonder around, what is the will of God for my life? Just read the scriptures and begin to identify who you are in Christ. That is the will of God concerning you. That is the will of God. Whatever is before you, that is the will of God. And, and, and your identity is in Christ. You were buried with Christ. You was raised from the dead with Christ. And you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. This is who we are. As you read the Bible, especially the New Testament, you'll see the term in Christ or in whom. Or, um, in, uh, this, these, these terms mean this is who we are. This is what we are. Um, um, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Um, go with me to Galatians chapter two. Galatians chapter two. I'm blessing myself if I'm not blessing you. I'm preaching myself happy. Galatians chapter two, you, do you have to call for? Um, Galatians chapter two, verse 20. "I have been crucified with Christ. Um, this is reality, saints. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Let's stop there. This is who we are. We have been crucified with Christ. Christ is our substitution. Christ is our example. Christ is our um, He died in our place. So when when God looks at the cross, he sees our sins. And so when you ask God to forgive you, when you confess your sins, know that God does not remember your sins no more. He doesn't see what you did. He sees you through the blood. When he sees us, he sees us in Christ. That's a profound statement. He sees us in Christ. He sees us as the righteousness of God in him. And it says this, that I've been crucified with Christ, and it's not longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And check this out. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So now that I'm living in Christ, It's no longer I who who are living, but it's actually the Christ that lives in me. It's the Christ that is manifesting his life, his glory, his sufferings in me. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm living in Christ. The life that I now live in this flesh, it is governed by my faith in Christ. I don't live, this is what it means to the just to live by faith. It doesn't mean that I'm going to walk by faith. Sometimes we have a perverted view of faith. We say, okay, faith is let me believe God for a bigger house, bigger car, promotional job. I need my body healed. Let me have some faith. That is an aspect of faith. But that's not the faith. This right here, Paul says, you know, the just, he says this in Romans. Um, the judge shall live by faith and in the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of God in other words that faith the faith in Christ should govern everything that I do so everything that I do in life is governed by the faith in Christ my faith in Christ governs my entire life it, it governs what I say who I marry, how many children I have, how I raise my children. It governs how I go to work, how I work. It governs how I, everything in my life is governed by my faith. And so what happens is sometimes in, in our society, what we do is we, we, we put God in a, um, a one part of our lives. We say, this is my God life. This is my godliness. But this other area over here, this isn't really, you know, he's over there, but, I'm, you know, this, this belongs to me. Um, As a Christian, that's not the way it is. The faith of Christ governs your entire life. So everything that you do is governed by the faith in Christ. And this is what Paul is saying. My last point is this. His resurrection is our hope. Christ's resurrection is our hope. He removed the sting of death and made sin powerless. We can walk in righteousness now. We too are dead to sin because he died to it. So we could be alive to God. We are alive to God. He died so that we can be alive to God. Glory to God. He died to sin once and thank God sin has lost his power over those who have repented of their sins and placed their faith in Christ. We are free to walk in righteousness. We can be righteous in in the sight of a holy God. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if it dwells inside of you, shall quicken, quicken or make alive your mortal body. That same spirit shall quicken your mortal body and bring, make it brand new on the day of resurrection. Amen. Let me give you some reasons why the resurrection is so important. Without the resurrection, we cannot be saved. You're not saved if you, if you don't understand the resurrection, you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ. Notice Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You can't be saved without believing in the resurrection of the dead. You just got religion. You just got religion. You have to, as a Christian, believe that God raised Christ from the dead. That is mandatory. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. You got to say amen. amen. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin, your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, we are of all people most to be pitied, pitied or, uh, or we're, we're pitiful people if we only have faith in Christ in this life only. For those who say, you know, I serve, I serve Christ even if, if there's no heaven to go to, if, even if there's no eternity, well, that's wrong theology. It might be a right heart. But it's wrong theology because our hope is in the fact that we're going to be saved, our redemption will be complete. Are you with me? We're not just living for now. We're living to live again. So our hope is for eternity to be with Christ. And so um, without it, we can't be saved. Number two point underneath why the resurrection is important. It demonstrated God's power in his fullness. Ephesians 1 verses 19 through 22 talks about how God raised Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is in name not only in this world but also that which is to come and he made him to be the head of the church which is his body that filleth all in all that's Ephesians chapter 1 and so God raised it took the power of God to raise him from the dead amen Um, If God raised Christ from the dead, he's going to raise us from the dead. And this is my third point. It is the source of our redemption. It's the source of our resurrection. His resurrection is the source of our resurrection. You think about a power strip. Um, The power strip is like all all the little outlets in the power strips represent all the believers. But it's connected to the one who was resurrected. And because God raised Christ from the dead, he's going to raise us from the dead. The Bible says in Ephesians that he's given us the spirit as the down payment that our redemption will be complete. So the Holy Spirit, it was not just given to you to shout and jump up and down and speak a little tongues here and there. But the spirit of God was given to as a down payment says, I want you to know I'm coming back for you and I'm going to raise you from the dead. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body and bring alive your body on that day of resurrection. So it is the source of our resurrection. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, we're not going to be raised from the dead. And we're miserable people. So, you know, I always got to do the application piece. So how can we walk in the power of the resurrection? Paul even prayed. He says, that I may know you and the power of your resurrection that's not talking about walking in power like we think about you know we think about power raising somebody you know from the dead physically or laying hands on the sick and that's you know yeah that, that's power but not not this type of power paul is praying for paul was praying for the power of the resurrection he wants to know that power he wants to understand that which is to come and as a christian we long for that we haven't seen power yet you know, we, we get happy over a little miracle, a deaf ear open. But we haven't seen the power of God like we're going to. I'm talking about the power that's going to resurrect our physical bodies, going to give us new body. The Bible says in Corinthians, it says, um, in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, we're going to be changed. And, we, and First John says we're going to be just like him. And so not only is he going to resurrect our bodies, but he's going to make us totally like Jesus. Yes. that's power, power. <laughs> that's that's real power yes. i mean you can have the little power here oh you know you know some people are so hungry for just power so they can look good the gifts of the spirit first corinthians 12 is full of it oh and look i do this and i do that but she says hey there's something greater coming there's a greater glory yes. see we've had some good times in church but we haven't had church yet <laughs> Uh, when Christ comes, we're going to have some church. I'm telling you, those people who don't believe in shouting, they're going to shout. They're going to jump. Those who don't believe in Christ, they're going to cry. Going, I mean, we're going, we haven't seen anything yet. And that is the power that is coming our way. So how can we walk in this power? Number one, um, walk in newness of life. When, we're, um, when we sin, remember that, um, that he destroyed the power of sin over us by getting up. So whenever you're tempted to sin, remember that he got up. Remember that he got victory over that sin that you're about to commit. That is enough. That is enough to to resist temptation. I resist temptation with the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. That gives me power. To walk in this newness of life. When you're tempted to cuss, remember the power that got Jesus up. I'm gonna bless this person. I'm gonna minister grace to this person. That's number one. Number two, rely on the power of the resurrection. When we're facing challenges in any situation, rely on the power of his resurrection to raise you up over it. Um, uh, know that um, that power. The power of the resurrection gives us power to live right, power to live holy, walk in newness of life by ceasing from struggling and strife and relying upon the power of the resurrection to raise us up over whatever we're facing. We overcome because he overcame. He overcame the greatest enemy, which is death. So there's nothing, there's nothing that we face that he doesn't have a power to give us to overcome. For every temptation, God has made a way of escape. So look for the exit sign next time you're tempted. Look for the exit t- sign next time you're in a trial or tribulation. God has made a way of escape. God will not allow you to be tempted above you're able to overcome. So if you're, if you're, if you're facing a challenge this morning, know that God has given you the power to overcome it. Amen. So whatever you're facing, know that you have power in Christ, not in your own self. I got power. I got authority. No, no, no. It's his authority, his power. Amen. Number three, stop making excuses for your defeats. I just don't know why they don't like me. You know, I'm the black sheep of the family. I, I just, you know, I don't understand. You know, just so defeated, so negative. There's no excuse to go down and defeat for one moment. Heard that from a, a powerful evangelist by the name of Catherine Kuhlman. For not one moment should we go down in defeat. Father got him up, got Christ from, from the dead. He will also get us up on that great day. If nothing ever changes in your circumstances, know that that great day is coming. He's going to get you up. So if you don't see the victory now, you're going to see it later. And so no matter what you're facing, don't let defeat, don't ever, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. That is the devil's playground. Oh, poor me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know, and it's just like this negative defeated. Oh, Lord, how can you love a worm like me? Well, he died for a worm like you. When you say you're nothing, you're actually saying, and I'm not talking about out of humility. I'm saying out of pride. When you're saying, I'm just nothing, you, you, are, you are saying that the blood of Jesus is not enough to make you something. And when you say, I just don't know if he forgave me, you know, oh, God, please forgive And you keep asking over and over to be forgiven of the same thing that you just got finished um, confessing. Know that you're saying that his blood was not enough the first time. Just know that when you ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive you. You have to have faith in that. Don't stop making excuses. Oh, I I just can't do this. I never hear the word can't in Paul's vocabulary. Never hear the word can't in Jesus' vocabulary. Never hear the word can't as people follow God. I can do all things. I can endure this temptation. I can endure um, these trials and tribulations. I can endure persecution because his strength is made perfect when I'm weak. Amen. I just preach myself happy. Um, To understand Christianity is to understand the gospel. It's to comprehend what the Father... I'm going to keep saying it until it becomes a part of your vocabulary. and Until it becomes the DNA of this church. We need to comprehend what the Father has done for us in Christ. We're no longer in Adam if you're saved. We're no longer in sin. We are in Christ. This morning, as you sit, you are in Christ if you're saved. The Father sees us through Christ... Throughout the scripture, again, you'll hear, you'll see the terms, we're in him or in Christ, in whom? We are in him today. If you're not a Christian, then you are in Adam. Therefore, you're under the wrath of God. So repent and place your faith in Christ. If you're interested in learning more about this Jesus, come and talk to me after the service. Um, salvation is the gift from God. Um, the Bible says, if any man will turn to Christ, he will not cast away. He will not turn away. Believers, this resurrection power is for us to comprehend and to walk in. It's more than a story. Andre Crouch wrote a song called, It's Not Just a Story, but It's a Reality. The, the song is two minutes and 11 seconds. Um, and he's at a piano. It's, not just a, it's much more than just a story. It's my reality. It's my reality. This gospel is my reality. You may not think that I'm something, but I am what I am, like Paul says, by the grace of God. God's grace saved me. God's grace is sustaining me. God's grace is healing me. God's grace is preparing me for the great day. That grace is that is conforming me into the image of Christ. See, grace is much more than a merit of favor. Grace is the divine influence upon one's heart. And the reflection of the influence in one's life. Grace got to be more than just, I'm there to favor it. As a kid, as a teenager, I promise you that I heard that oh amazing grace and I was like what is this grace I, I don't understand we're singing it every Sunday and, and, and you know everybody's crying oh grace you know and like, like you know and it, and it says Noah found grace I said, so did he run out and look, find this woman named grace I don't understand and I'm like what is this grace what is grace and so I decided to look it up in my Strong's concordance and, and I began to see it yes it's unmerited undeserved unearned favor But it also is the divine influence on one's heart and the reflection of that influence in one's life. Grace is a gift and grace will affect your heart. See, grace did this. Grace took my heart of stone and rolled it away and gave me a heart of flesh. Just like he rolled the stone away on that third day, on that Sunday morning, he rolled my heart heart of stone away and gave me a heart of flesh. Oh, man, he got up so that I can get up. Yes. He was resurrected for, he was, he was raised from the dead for my justification. Romans chapter 4. Let me re, 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 recite this, these words, not by memory, of course. <laughs> um, these words by uh, a, a Christian artist by the name of Jody McBrady. Um, um, he was part of a group called Avalon. And this is what he, he wrote. He says, it was all about a man. It was all about a cross. It was all about the blood that was shed so I would not be lost. It was all about the love that was bigger than a life. It was all about a freedom that was given through your sacrifice. Because you would rather die than to ever live without me. God would rather die than ever to live without you. He sent Jesus to die for you so you can be with him forever. That is the goal of Christianity. That is the mission of the church. The church is not a bunch of rules and regulations. We're out about making disciples to be faithful followers of Christ so that we can be with God forever. We want to populate heaven with a bunch of souls. We want to fill heaven with a bunch of souls so they can be with God forever, so God can have his dream come to pass. See, your dream is nice, my dream is nice, but God's dream is better, and his dream is to have a big, fat family. He wants to say, we are family. Got all my brothers and sisters and me. (laughs) I'm telling you, I believe God's going to play that. (laughs) We are family. I'm telling you, he's after a family after a family God is after a family he wants a family and so let us evangelize with that in mind that God wants that lost sheep he wants the lost soul he wants the soul that has wandered away from the truth to sit down and to walk with discipleship is walking with people praying with people struggling with people crying with people laughing with people and and say hey listen we need Christ together yes and that's what God has commissioned us to do Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these things. We give your name, glory, and honor. Help us to understand the cross. Help us to understand the resurrection of the great exchange that took place. You made Jesus to be sent for us that we may become righteous. This is who we are. We're not in an identity crisis. Uh, We're in a Christ crisis. Lord, we need people to be with you. And Lord, I thank you that your word declares for us to be reconciled with you. And, Lord, we want to be reconciled to you, Father. Oh, God, help us to to, to deliver this message to all that are lost. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.